0: Ralph's going to come and speak in just a couple of minutes, and I just want a couple of introductory remarks. I came to this church uh, back in 1977. Actually, I came before that, but I didn't stay because I heard Ralph, who was just a young guy, talking about getting this building and turning it into a church, and I laughed and mocked. Um, And when they got to church, I was convicted. And I came back in February of 1977. And I've been here ever since. Out of the 45 years we've been a congregation, I've had the joy to be here 39 of those 45 years. And Ralph before we he ever lived in this community would would drive past the old Manhattan Beach Four Square Church on Manhattan Beach Boulevard and would pray for that church and God would bless that church not knowing that the pastor died of a heart attack and the church was closed. He said, God bless that church, bless that church, bless that pastor. Not realizing he was praying for himself, <laughs> for me and all of us. How God has answered those prayers. I came on staff in 1980, and it was just a year or two later that uh, he announced that he was leaving, going to Hawaii. I used to live in Hawaii. I said, oh, are you going on vacation? No. And he shared, first with me, I was actually, we were, I was the counseling pastor and I was standing out the top of the stairs at the end of a day, about 5, 5.30, and waiting for an appointment to show up. And he was leaving. His day was over. He was going home. And so at that time, he was wrestling through some pastor stuff, church stuff. And I said to him, oh, I'm, glad, I'm glad you do that. I just, I'm just safe in my little office counseling people. <laughs> he turned to me, and he just said, well, I said, you're going to have to do this too when you sit in my seat. And then whew, he was gone. <laughs> <laughs> Next day I was in his office. What was that all about? And he began to share with me to paint this picture, of these God had called him to Hawaii and they were gonna plant churches in Hawaii. And the goal was to reach just 10% of the population of the islands of Hawaii with Hope Chapels. And it's way over that now. And then bridge to Japan and ultimately around the world. We have, there are more churches, daughter churches, he'll tell you about great granddaughter churches, great 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 granddaughter churches, great 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 granddaughter churches all over this world because of this man's prayers for this church. And that God's blessing would rest on this church. So he told me, he said, No, no, we, 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 I'm, I'm leaving and, and we think it's you so supposed to take over. And I told him, You're crazy. You're crazy, crazy out of your mind. And that weekend, he, had me, he, says, he told me, he says, I'm going, to have this, I'm going to tell the congregation this weekend, and I want you here at all service, and I want you to stand against that back wall, highly visible. I thought, oh man, what a nightmare. <laughs> and he did. He told the church, you know, and everybody's going, you know, starting to register. <clears throat> Ralph? Ralph's leaving? We had a nickname for him. I don't even sure if you knew that nickname the Pope of Hope. <laughs> We all did it behind his back. <laughs> no one in their, in their wildest dreams ever believed he'd be leaving here. And yet he's telling the congregation. And, of course, their thinking goes to, and he's already anticipating, he says, you're probably wondering he's going to take my place. And they're going, anyway, they're all just numb. And some of you were here when, when that all transpired. So I'm standing back there against that wall, you know, just like naked, right? No place <laughs> to hide. He says, well, Zach. <laughs> Some people said, Zach. <laughs> True story. Other people said, what's a Zach? <laughs> then there were others who you know, said, well, hey, we'll, just, we'll give him a, give him a try. We'll, you know, why not? And then we transitioned over a period of 18 months. Put him in an airplane in May of 1983, Sam to Hawaii. It has been a ride, a, a wild ride this whole time. I'm grateful to God for his grace to our church. I'm grateful to God for the faithful man's prayers. Please welcome my pastor, Ralph
1: Sit down. I get the big head if you stand up and do that too much. I don't <laughs> want that. So, uh, you know, um, there's a guy from Foursquare who asked me a number of years ago. Dennis, you know him. His name is Sterling. And he's a real straight out guy, a real nice guy. He comes in and he, and he says, uh, What's your secret? How, how do you do what you do and plan all these churches? What's your secret? And I go, I, I, I look for renegades. I, I, I always figure it's it's the, the guy with a little rebellion in them that's going to innovate and going to change with the times and going to fit the gospel to the community we live in rather than to try to fit the community into some idea of church. And so that's always been what we've done. We've worked with renegades and um, I, I want to introduce you to a few of the renegades. Um, the first one, I don't really know if he's a renegade. I just never met him. Uh, he, I, I'm driving down Manhattan Beach Boulevard, two-lane highway with sand coming down on the road on either side. And I'm with a bunch of kids from Granada Hills, California in my old Volkswagen convertible. We're on our way to Lunada Bay. And we come down the road, and, and I'm going, I like this town, man. Lord, if there if there's a four-square church in this town, I want to be its pastor. And just then, I mean, like, four houses down, or it's at Peck Street, so it's actually, there was a house and then the church building. There's a little tiny church building. And uh, I saw it, and it was pink in all its glory. It was pink outside, and it was pink inside, except for the one room that was lavender. (laughs) And I felt guilty instantly. It's like, you just coveted another man's job, and that's wrong. And so I started praying. What he said, I started praying for the church. What I didn't know, the first guy I want to introduce you to is Carl McLean. Carl and his son Jim. See, somebody had started a little four-square church where the community center is, right down the hill on Manhattan Beach Boulevard, in in what was a a little wooden building that was called the Women's Clubhouse in 1952. We don't even know who those people are. We've looked. But Carl McLean had become their pastor, and the church had grown to 40 people. And he and Jim, with their own hands, after work, because he was bivocational, which, by the way, bivocational pastors should be the norm, I think, Guys like us should be the exception. But they built the building with their own two hands. And Carl died of a heart attack right about the time that 20-year-old Ralph Moore was starting to pray for that church. And so I started praying for the church, its pastor, praying that God would bring young people and and he did. And and so eventually they closed the church, and then I became the pastor and and, and whatever. And then I I I I met this. I think he'd quit smoking what well, he was smoking by the time I met him. But Richard Agazzino. And Eggy um, had, he, he was leading a navigators group at South Bay Bible Church. Uh, they were, it was hippie days, right? So they weren't part of the church. He and his wife were actually going to the church. But the whole group, they wouldn't go in the door. But they had a little building on the parking lot. We were there yesterday. And he showed me the building. I'd never known that. They were meeting in that building on Monday night, and a, a guy named Tom Wallace and his wife Frances showed up in our church, and and they were, and I, I could tell you a hundred Tom Wallace stories. Tom was a violent man before he got saved, and he got really saved. But he went down there, and he's a big bear and big woolly beard and everything, and and he dragged Richard and company to our church, and uh, and and pretty soon I got I I, I got like. 80 people coming, and I'm the pastor of 20 of them. And there's Virgil Hamrick, who, who's got another navigator group, and there's Richard with his navigator group, and there's another guy that's got a baseball team that goes from church to church to church and gets mad at the pastor. And um, he'd been with Jack Hayford just before us, and Jack came to me and goes, grabs me around the shoulder and goes, I'm sure glad that guy's going to your church. And you know, he's pastoring 900 people. I'm just scared out of my brain. But I finally figured out, you know, if I just make friends with those guys and let them pastor their people, and see, that was the seeds of mini church, and I didn't even know it. And so Agazino, uh, the stuff that that guy did, I, I mean, he, he, he got in the Merchant Marine and jumped ship in Monterey, Mexico, and, and hopped a freight train and rolled in a, rode in a coal car all the way to Ohio, crawls his way to the front of the train cuz you can get arrested in the train yard for being on a freight train and tells the guys I'm going to throw myself under the wheels if you don't stop the train and let me off and they did This is Hope Chapel folks <laughs> This is Hope Chapel And then we met this guy that was that was dealing in pharmaceuticals in Kona And uh, he actually was a licensed pharmacist in the city. But the guy's an entrepreneur. He had a farm in the mountains. And he had managed to buy the land, hire the people, run the farm, sell the dope without ever seeing any of it. And he shows up on our doorstep. And he's at the, where we're at the community center worshiping at that time. And I'm up there telling everybody that we're going to get this bowling alley. And he thinks I'm an idiot and he won't come back to church. And then his life goes haywire just when somebody put up. There used to be a big marquee out there from the bowling alley days. And some of our guys found some of the letters and they wrote, God is coming. And, and he saw it and it made him mad. And, 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 and four days later, he's in church. And for years... I mean, like three years, he was in church every single service, hearing every message every single time. And um, so I have a question. I have several questions for you today, but one question is, do you think we got it right when we thought that Zach was supposed to be the pastor of the church? Yeah. Good. here's the deal and i really want you to hear me say this i don't think he could have done what i did in 1971 i i came from a family that was poor enough that we we could afford one used car and so i was mr straight arrow i grew up in a pretty legalistic church you don't smoke you don't dance you don't go to movies even even a Billy Graham film came to town, and they advised us, "Don't go there because a non-Christian might see you standing in line at a movie theater, and think that you're following the devil." A Billy Graham film, and 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 Dennis, you used to pastor that church, and um, but not then. Dennis gets it, but. I- Zach came from a whole different background. I don't think he he was wired to do that. But, But the biggest problem that I ever faced with this building was we remodeled it from a bowling alley into a movie theater. And then once the roof broke, the termites got it, the roof broke, and the Sunday school flooded. And I went in there with a star drill and pounded a hole through the floor and the water drained out. I'd have never thought of contacting an insurance company and saying, do you want to sell me a supermarket? Never. Never. I'd have never figured out that you could sell the market, the thing, or not sell, lease the thing to the market, a different market, and get enough money to do the incredible things that are going to happen to this building. i never, ever. I mean... This guy is the right guy. He is the right guy. And uh, I'm so proud of him. I'm so proud of him. I want to introduce you to a couple other people. And uh, one of them was going to commit suicide. And the day that he was going to do it, somebody gave him, we used to call him a pocket rocket. Everybody carried a little Gospel of John. They had a little pocket rocket book of Romans. And the guy gives him the book of Romans. And he American Honda as an engineer and 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 he and he had a shot at the racing team and uh, And and he went in the bathroom and locked the door and and Read the whole book of Romans and didn't understand a word of it But it made him cry and that night he got saved and a few days later He came to our church on New Year's Eve. We're having a baptism and he's been my really good friend ever since and uh, we started the church together in Hawaii with our wives. And so, Aaron, I want you to come up here. Where are you? And, 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 and. <laughs> there's our kind of people sitting here, because there's our kind of guy pastoring the church. So, I want those of you that are thinking maybe God would want me to go out with somebody and do that sometime. Or maybe God wants me to be the next guy to go out. As I met the last one last night, I met the guy who just started in Texas. And uh, when we went to Hawaii, 30 people went with us. And maybe you need to be part of that team. And I want you to tell why, tell why you gave up at Honda and then t- tell why you did it. And you could tell what you do now.
2: Um, well, well, it was probably because I, I didn't know no better. I, I, <laughs> uh, there was a chance for me to go to Europe and that, that was something that I wanted to do. I mean, I worked for Honda, American Honda for a long time and, and the race team was going to go to Europe. Although I wasn't part of the race team, they were asking these support people and I was going to be one of the support people. I've always been sort of the support, even for him. Um,
1: tell them what, what you're going to do as support.
2: To, oh, well, I mean, basically, uh, Supporting the race team meant that we're just gonna do stuff with the engine and modify things with the motor So that's the kind of support that we were doing Um, But you know Ralph talked about that. He works with uh, Well, we've always worked with guys that weren't totally there (laughs) Um, And I and I asked Zach you see that little uh, flask there. It's uh, anointing oil Well, there's a story that Ralph tells he, he's, he's got it wrong, though. He says that I used some, um, like, you know, 1040 oil. Well, it wasn't. It was, they didn't have multigrades then. It was just a straight grade. But it was, it was in this auditorium. Somebody came up here, and they wanted prayer. And back here, they used to always hide oil. Well, I, I looked for it, and I couldn't find it. So I said, I'll be right back. So I ran downstairs, and I had a Volkswagen at the time. I yanked the, <laughs> I yanked the dipstick, put the oil, ran back up here. And anointed the person. Now, I can't tell. I mean, it would be a great story if I said they got healed, you know, and all that. But I don't actually know what happened to the person. I'm just going to believe that they're still alive. But that's what he's talking about. That God uses some of the people that we wouldn't really, really um, pick. Ralph has had this absolutely unbelievable gift of figuring out guys who nobody else will pick. I mean, even his own staff wouldn't pick this person. And Ralph is going, no, but he could do this. But we're thinking of all the other things they can't do. But he goes, no, I think this guy would work. And there was this big Hawaiian fella that he wanted him to be his secretary. He, he I mean, he's big. He doesn't type that well.
1: Type at
2: all? Okay, he didn't type at all. I was trying to give him the, a little bit of extra credit. Um, he, I just, uh, two weeks ago, I was sitting in a church that he just started. This would be number, no, I think it's four actually. Yeah, it's number four. And he has plans on doing three more. And now he's going to do this thing. He's going to go to the south side of the island, the north side, or east and west. Um, but some of us would not have picked this fella. Um, um, he, his past is like Zach's, you know, I mean, with the drug thing. Um, <laughs> but I guess what I'm trying to get out is, is that Ralph has had this, um, this gift of, of trusting people. And you know what? That is part of your heritage. If you guys are part of this church, it flows in your blood, even if you don't believe me. It really does. And so be the kind of folks that's gonna go out, like he said, support the next church plant. Be the ones that are gonna protect the guy who just went out there from all of the guys that look like me, older, who's complaining about the young fella. Um, when, when on, uh, what was it, Friday, they, they did a, um, what was it called? A concert. I'm not good with big words. Um, and at the very end, they played a song, and, and yesterday I made a kind of a joke. I said, oh, that was probably a Hillsong. And he said, no, it was a Hope Chapel song. Well, there's a lot of us that believe that Hillsong's the only guys that can produce that kind of stuff, and we're wrong. It comes from within this church, and it's sitting in here now. And so I encourage you guys to continue to do that. And when the young guy goes out and pastor, some of you old folks, just go out with him because protect him from other guys like us. Okay? Good?
1: Very good. And anybody under, under age 25 in this room, I have some advice for you. Zach's getting old, (laughs) and eventually somebody's going to replace Zach, and then eventually that guy's going to get old, and somebody's going to replace him, and some little kid that's sitting behind those walls right there is going to end up being a pastor, and you 25-year-olds are going to be the old cronies (laughs) griping about everything that the young guy did, knock it off. We, we we got we got to change with the times. I mean, you, I this building was a, I mean, it was built 70 years ago, but we turned it into a glaring example of 1970s architecture. <laughs> and you guys have turned it into something beautiful in spite of what we did. And then when I look in there, it's like, oh my gosh, this is really cool. And the children's slide thing, oh. oh, oh. <laughs> You know, you're going to have parents get saved because their kids want to come ride that slide. That's cool. But I want to introduce you to one more person, and this is not a renegade. This is just a really sweet person who keeps me going, and it's my wife.
3: take the mic for just a couple of minutes because it seems like it's a time for really encouraging people. And I don't know how Ralph picked me. <laughs> but back way back in Bible. She has
1: really... <laughs>
3: <laughs> They're covered. <laughs> but I just love seeing all the different color of hair and skin in this room because I grew up in a time when it was hey, I'm from the inner city of Los Angeles. I'm a real person born on Hoover Street. People, they say they come from LA and they say everything else. And, and my background is my parents were deaf. Oh, oops, mark against me. My uh, biological father was Filipino. My mom married a Mexican, and I'm saying Mexican when we're proud of being Mexicanos. And. Yeah and not in any of that Hispanic. So all the marks were against me. And even when we went to Bible college, people told Ralph, don't marry her because I was the wrong color. And you know what? I fit anywhere we go these days. I belong in Hawaii. I can go to Europe. I can go anywhere. And now I'm an asset, not a detriment. So that's... No, that's my, how God picked this little gal who had everything against her and just took us on a ride because we said, Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, we'll go wherever you take us. And it has been a fantastic ride. And I want to thank each and every one of you for hearing the Lord walking into this church and doing whatever he tells you. So whoever is sitting out there and you do not feel valuable, you just remember my story that I wasn't considered valuable. I was supposed to be aborted. And here I am today serving the Lord because in Psalms 139, the Lord said, I saw you when you were formed in those dark places. I know the plans I have for your life. So just say yes, Lord. And that's my segue.
1: And what she forgot to tell you was that uh, 31 days ago, we had our 50th anniversary. I have a fairly short sermon, so you get out in time for the picnic, but we'll be done by at least 3 o'clock, I'm sure. (laughs) But um, I, 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 I had a friend once named Jack Hayford, who uh, I learned from him that whenever you get up to speak, hawk a book. So uh, I, I, uh, I want to talk to you about two things here. I wrote a book called Let Go of the Ring when I was leaving this church because I was the only one who knew where all the bodies were buried. And I wrote it so the church would have its own history. And that was a good thing. And then I got to Hawaii, and the new church all wanted the book because they wanted to know their heritage. And in truth, I'm in my third church now. I was 30 years in Hope Chapel Kaneohe Bay, and now three years in Hope Chapel Honolulu, which is if you go to Hawaii, we're in the Kahala Mall theaters on Sunday morning. And we are still using the policies of this church to run our churches. And we've, we've kept that heritage. But as the story kept growing, by the time I left here, I was the 30th guy to leave here to plant a church. And the last count that I had, which I got hooked up with these people, this thing called exponential, and they started asking me hard questions. And I'd been going around the country, around the world, actually, telling people, I, I think there's like 1,400 churches. And I had pretty good reason to believe that. And then they started asking me, serious questions and i started waking up at five in the morning going you liar you exaggerator there's only a thousand churches and you you know they're going to find out and you're going to be in trouble and so i finally i did a best i could email survey of all of our pastors and the number came out to 2317 churches <laughs> And since I have been here, I told somebody early this morning, I heard of three more, which makes it 2,320. And Aaron just told me about Guy did a fourth one, and I never knew about it. And that makes it 2,321. And that's how it happens. I have nothing to do with most of it. A whole bunch of the churches that are out there got started after I left here by this church. There's, a, there's what? How many in, where is it in Africa? Over 400. It's over 400 in what country? Mozambique and, Mozambique and Malawi. And that comes from Bill Gross from this church. Uh, and I had nothing to do with it. I only found out about it a couple of years ago. I have to keep always asking him. I forget the country all the time. And uh, you know what? Bill Gross... Stand up again. We want to honor you. Bill Gross was a class A jerk. (laughs) He's a great worship leader, but he was, I won't say the word the way I usually say it, he was a smart aleck, okay? And one night, after I don't know what, a concert or something, him and two other guys are standing right next to the door back there. And just acting all cocky and <laughs> sneery about everything going on. And for some reason, I walked back there and I kind of had my eye on Bill. And you, know, you can spot the guys. Here, here's how you tell somebody's a leader they got a follower. If they don't have a follower, you can send them to all the education and seminary and whatever you want to, it ain't gonna happen. And if they got a follower, then just whack them in the head with a two-by-four a couple times and get their attention, and they'll follow you, and then they'll lead others. And so I, as I walked out the door, I just stopped, and I said, if you'd stop acting like such a horse's rear end, God could use you for something. And he started churches all over everywhere and is now an executive of the denomination. He's doing an incredible thing. This is Hope Chapel. This is your church. And I'm saying that because some of you are smart Alex. (laughs) And if you line up and learn something and get a little vision, God will do things with you that you have no idea of. And so, as time has gone on, this story, this very thin little book, still is thin... Um, it's just a bunch of stories and photographs. There's a whole bunch of pictures in here. You actually see Zach with black hair. And um, it's grown. And so we just came out with a fifth edition, which the thing that occasioned that is our new church that I pastor in Hawaii. And in three years, we started eight churches. And so that's in here and pictures of it. And so they got a bunch, or they had a bunch at the table out there. And uh, if they run out, they'll get more or whatever. But also, I I, want to tell you while I'm doing my little commercial thing, uh, because I'm trying to get the word out about this. I put together a website, and it's real easy to remember. Uh, There's a guy who used to be in this church as a worship leader, who some of you will guess who it is, you're welcome to that, who bought my name on the internet and won't let go of it. And he told me that he wants to be my manager and make me famous because I wrote a few books. And that's just not my way of being. And so I had to come up with this name, Ralph Moore Hawaii. And so if you go to uh I travel a lot. I don't go to Hope Chapel churches. I've kind of given everything I got there. So I go to startup groups. And the qualifiers are you got to be already have started a few churches, maybe three, four, five churches. And you can't afford for somebody to come in. And so I raise the money and, and I go. But on the website, I, uh, if, I'm, if it's not China or Russia where you can get people in trouble, uh, then I try to tell the story on the website. So if you want to check it out, you can check it out. It's there. But I want to talk to you about this. A hundred years from now, who's going to care that we were in this room today doing what we're doing? (laughs) That's the wrong answer. Jesus is going to care, but that's the wrong answer. Because the world is going to care. I grew up in a church as a youth pastor when I was in college and for a few years after with a great guy who mentored me. And every time we came up on a, a, a decision that was a difficult decision, uh, maybe a decision to deal with the city in some way, or a decision to build something, or whatever. He would always say at the end of it, well, 100 years from now, nobody will know the difference anyway. And that was his way, and, it was, and I get it. It was a good thing of justifying if we make a mistake, nobody's going to really care about it. But it, it did something to me. It made me think that the stuff I do isn't important. And probably a lot of you think that. Probably a lot of you think that Zach's got it all together and you just come here and you listen and you learn and you go live your little life and that's the end of it. And that's wrong. That's wrong. Because you count in the kingdom of God. You will make a difference. And as we live our life and we begin to think about a hundred years from now, uh, what difference is it going to make? I can tell you That in September of 1971, my wife and I and our infant son, who's now pastoring the church in Kaneohe, sat with nine other people. The piano player wasn't walking with the Lord. She was a friend. She came to play the piano for us. There's a pulpit that's about this tall, and you got to kind of look over it, and it's wide, and it's got wings. And... 12 people show up in this monstrous building that'll hold 66 people. And I had never pastored more than 30 kids in my youth group. And so we had been praying, God, please fill this auditorium during our time here. That was was the extent of the vision, 66 people. And we were down there cleaning the place a couple weeks before we opened. And in the afternoon, we're tired and it's hot and sweaty. And some, this is a hippie times, right? Some long-haired guy comes in, greasy hair, living on the road. Today you got ho- real homeless people. In those days, you're homeless because you want to be, you know. <laughs> and uh, it's serious. And people living under bridges and surfing. And this, his hair's all matted and greasy, and he smelled. And he hit me up for money, and all I had was a $5 bill, which would be about like 20 bucks today. It would half fill your gas tank or your Volkswagen. And so I gave him my five dollars, and now we didn't have money. I was broke, and so but we prayed. We had huge vision. Lord, please let people like that come to our church. So here's the vision: I'm doing the suit and tie. I'm the straight arrow guy. I Got the white wall haircut. The long hair thing is happening. And by the way, I like your blue hair. And. Um, My vision is I'm going to pastor this church full of middle-class, middle-aged adult people and let a couple token hippies come. And a few weeks later, we started church, and one girl came that wasn't a Christian, and got, we led her to the Lord at, at her house on Tuesday night. Today, she's the missions director of Hope Chapel Kihei Maui. And um, she brings her sister and her sister's boyfriend, and they're into motorcycles. I saw him. He was here last night. And uh, so we got a bunch of bikers. We got a bunch of hippies. We got a topless dancer named Kitten. We got a scared pastor who goes home about the third week and says, God, you put the wrong guy in this place. And all this stuff happened, and... What took place in those days has turned out to this. And this is only 45 years. Okay. So the question is, I mean, think, we start with 12 people, 11, 10 of whom were Christians. One was an infant and one wasn't walking with the Lord. And all this happened. So your future, somebody told me this a couple weeks ago, your future begins today. So you got Zach for a pastor who knows his stuff. You got this for a place. You got money in the bank. You got vision. What difference will it make 100 years from now? And don't tell me no difference. Because I tell you, there are churches in this town that won't exist 10 years from now. What difference will today make 100 years from now? That's my question to you. But before we get into the message, and I told you it's going to be a real short message. Uh, I, I take long times warming up, but, but the sermon part's short. I have to ask you a, a, a question. And the, the question is, I just want to find out you know, how well aware of the world you are. How many of you know this individual when I put, say his name? Don't say it out loud. Anything, just raise your hand if you know who Chan Kong San is. I see one hand in the back. Anybody else? Well, a couple guys have been here this weekend, but (laughs) cheaters. But there's few of you who know. And the rest of you are ignorant. (laughs) This man is the most famous person in the world. And you think I'm joking, and I'm not. He is more recognizable than Barack Obama if you go to Africa, if you go to China, if you go to Russia everybody would recognize this guy instantly, and you don't even know who he is. But you might know his nickname, Jackie Chan. He made all those kung fu movies before he ever came to Hollywood, and there's more Chinese people in the world than anybody because God loves Chinese more than he loves all the rest of us. He made so many of them. And Jackie Chan's most famous person in the world. In the history of the world, other than Jesus Christ, Jackie Chan is what, today known by more people than any person that ever lived on the earth. How many of you know who, raise your hand, You, Jim Yen. One lady raised her hand. Another guy raised his hand. That's because you read the book, I Am Jackie Chan. It's his autobiography. Jackie Chan at age five, his parents are in extreme poverty, and he gets in a fight in kindergarten, and they kick him out of kindergarten in Hong Kong, and his parents dump him off at this orphanage, and Yu Jim Yen turned Jackie Chan, you know the name Jet Li, who did some of those Kung Fu movies, and there's a guy who used to do a thing about a marshal, a Chinese marshal, kind of a chubby guy. Well, in that orphanage, Jet Li was Jackie's younger brother, not by blood, and the other guy was his older brother who picked on him. And they all made it in Hollywood, and nobody ever heard of Yu Jim Yin. How many of you guys have heard of a guy named the Apostle Paul? There would not be Jackie Chan or Jet Li without Yu Jim Yen, and there would not be the Apostle Paul, if it weren't for a guy named Barnabas. And I want to talk to you about Barnabas today. And I will keep this quick. Barnabas we first meet in the book of Acts, in the fourth chapter. And what happens is he's a rich guy, and his name isn't Barnabas, it's Joseph. And so Joe sells some land. He comes from Cyprus, which is a Gentile country, and it's an island in the Mediterranean. And he's Jewish, so he's kind of multicultural. I'm always looking for multicultural people because they can go places and do things that I can't. That's good. And so Barnabas shows up and he sells some land and he donates the money to the poor people in Jerusalem because the Jerusalem church turned into a commune in the early days. Everybody sold their property thinking Jesus is going to come next week and they gave the money away and now they're in poverty. And the whole book of Acts is there's an underlying story of the poverty of the church of Jerusalem because they made a mistake. And so they, they nickname him Bar, which means son of, Nabas. And I'm not a Greek scholar, but I know the whole thing comes together. and means son of encouragement because the English Bible tells me that. So this guy's an encourager. So I'm going to give you the secret to, to success in life right now. You know those motivational speakers sell all those tapes and books and all that? I'm giving it for free. Here's the secret. Find people smarter than you are and get behind them and encourage them to do things they didn't think they could do. People like Zach Nazarian. People like Bill Gross. People like that. People like Aaron Suzuki. Just get behind them and, 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 and breathe encouragement in their direction. People with blue hair. This is a dangerous place for you to be right now, my friend. <laughs> you you could end up in Africa, China, South America. <laughs> and I ain't kidding. So Barnabas is the son of encouragement. The next time that we see Barnabas, uh, he has met with the first missions, oh, let me call him the... The way they do it today, the missions director, the first missionary sending agent in the world. His name is Saul of Tarsus. And he is a little unorthodox in his methods. He goes around arresting Christians for being Christians. And in Acts chapter 8, what we read is that everyone except the apostles. This is weird. The word apostolos means one sent from. The guys who were sent out to the world with the gospel stayed in Jerusalem. And Acts chapter 8, verse 1 says, All except the apostles fled Jerusalem because of the threatenings of Saul. And everywhere they went, they went preaching the gospel. So you got the apostles who are courageously disobedient and sit on their rear in Jerusalem. (laughs) And you got all these ordinary people whose names don't even get in the Bible which I love because it's people like you. And they go everywhere and they spread the word. We, we have a team that went to Kenya yesterday from our church. They've taken two eye doctors. Uh, Zach's already agreed that you guys are going to take an eyeglass offering over the next 12 months and, and, and help us get all your used prescription glasses. And by the way, if you go to Costco or Walmart to their eyeglass thing, people give them their old glasses and they just put them in boxes. We got tons of boxes. And Go to your eye doctor. Ask him. Because we need him. Because we're going to do 6,000 eye exams in the next two weeks. Yeah. Last time we did 2,200 and 800 people got saved and four churches got started. That's good, huh? So, anyhow, these ordinary people go around and they preach the gospel all over the Mediterranean. And some of them from Cyrene, which is called Libya today... And from Cyprus, which is called Cyprus today, go to Antioch, which is in Syria, where ISIS is doing its deal. And they go there, and they start a church with Jews because they're still into the dumbest idea the world ever had called racism. And it's Jews only. And then the Bible says it in these words, However, some preach the gospel to Gentiles also. In other words, God loves us all. And a church gets formed. Well, the guys in Jerusalem still don't get the racial deal. And so they send the multicultural guy, Barnabas, the son of encouragement, to check this thing out and see is it a cult or is it real? And he comes and says, it's a good thing. And then he goes off, and it's probably a 400-mile walk. Walk to find... Saul of Tarsus, and he brings him back to Antioch. And they minister for a year. And then in a prayer meeting, the Holy Spirit says to anoint and lay hands on Barnabas and Saul. And at this point, it's Barnabas and Saul. Barnabas is the lead guy for the special work I've called them to. And so I went to Bible college. and I was taught the first missionaries were Barnabas and Saul. They weren't. There were the ordinary people in Acts 11.35 who went everywhere preaching the gospel and ended up into into Antioch. They're the people in Acts chapter 8 who took off. And so Barnabas goes, sees it's a good deal, brings Saul back, then the church sends him out. They go on this missionary journey and incredible things happen. And you all know that story. They come back home, tell everybody the good news, and then they take an offering and they take the money to Jerusalem. And good things happened in Jerusalem. And they come back from Jerusalem. And they get this idea, let's go on another trip. Let's go back and visit the churches that we had started. And Barnabas says, great. Let's take my nephew, John Mark, with us. Now, Mark is the guy who wrote the Gospel of Mark. And he's probably the guy who was in the garden when Jesus was arrested and the Bible says that in the, in the Gospel of Mark, that's probably why they think that's him. He's the young guy that that was only wearing a blanket, and they tried to grab him, and he got out of the blanket and ran away naked. And that's probably him. But he's also the guy who went on the first missionary journey as far as Cyprus and got homesick and went home to mama. And so now the second missionary journey is going to happen, and 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 Saul is angry and doesn't want anything to do with him. And Barnabas sticks up for him and they part company and they lose their friendship for all we know. And that's the last that you hear of Barnabas in the Bible. That Barnabas goes off into the sunset with Mark and that's it. And then you hear all about Saul who becomes Paul, who plants all these churches, who makes disciples like Jesus did. You know, he takes with him Silas it's, it's Paul and Silas. It's Paul and Timothy. For a little while, it was actually Paul and Barnabas rather than Barnabas and Paul. And so what there, there's no evidence in the, in the whole Bible that any one of the original disciples of Jesus made a disciple. That will come as a shock to some of you, and you'll disagree with me, but go read your Bible. It's just not in there. I think they probably did, but it's just not in there. The, the whole book of Acts is about making disciples and planting churches. And so Barnabas goes off, and that's the end of Barnabas. So what's the big deal? Well, without Barnabas, you wouldn't have the epistles of Paul. That's two-thirds of the books in the New Testament. But this one just hit me a couple of years ago, and I've been reading the book of Acts since I was five years old, and I'm 71 almost. Yeah, I am. 70 is the new 50. And that means that at age 68, I planted a church. I was with a guy yesterday who just moved to Leisure World. I'm I'm not playing. I'm going to tell you something funny, but I'm not playing. Um, He's thinking about starting a a house church. And there's some of you that I'd be thinking about starting a house church. And let me tell you what I would do, or what I might do, actually. I, I, I'm getting ready that I'm going to hang it up. I, I still will keep traveling because I go to these third world. I've been in the Ivory Coast where it's blistering hot. I drink a, a, a liter of water every two hours, and I never went to the bathroom all day. Uh, it just sweated out of me. Uh, I have the only computer in the room. Uh, the place is, is hot as fire and filthy. There's 125 people. Most of them come from villages with no electricity. And I'll keep doing that because that is really worth doing. But I want to be out from pastoring because I want to do stuff with my wife. And so I, I'm, I'm hoping to hand off. But sometimes handoffs don't go well. And if it doesn't go well and, I, I, and I'm a threat to the new pastor because that can happen, I, I'll just go start a church in my neighborhood. But here's what I'm going to do. And, and, and I'm, I'm saying this, and you're going to laugh, but I'm, I'm saying it because this is what I'm going to do if I do that. I'm going to go around the neighborhood with flyers and put them in people's screen doors, and the flyers are going to say, going to have my address, and they're going to say, 4.30 Sunday afternoon, barbecue, beer, and Bible. And then they're going to say this. Bring your own beer, bring your own meat, and bring your own Bible. We're going to talk about John chapter 5. I'm going to start there. Woman at the well. There will be no preaching. Everybody is free to share anything you want to say, and we won't argue with you. And we'll start a house church. And the Holy Spirit will take it from there. And, and, and if, I, if I keep doing this, there will never be any preaching. It'll just be, we get around and share the word of God together and let the Holy Spirit do what he does when Jesus is in the midst of two or more of us. Am I making sense? Amen. Come back to the sermon. Back to the sermon. Without Barnabas, we wouldn't have the epistles, but without Barnabas, we wouldn't have the first gospel because Barnabas was you, Jim Yen to John Mark and we know that Mark wrote the first gospel and you know what if you didn't have Richard Agazino and the branch of hope then there wouldn't be 2320 other churches because if you don't have the first one you're not going to get the second if you don't have the gospel of Mark here's the way it goes Matthew was with Jesus Mark wasn't Mark was a kid but Matthew was with Jesus But we know, textual students of all this stuff know that Matthew used Mark as an outline and then filled in the details. And Luke, at the beginning of Luke, says, I interviewed all these people. And so, he did research. And there's evidence in Luke, the way he words things, that you know that it came out of Mark's gospel. And so, three of the gospels happened that way, and we know that John wrote much later. And so if the other three weren't there, then John probably wouldn't have gotten the idea. If you didn't have Barnabas, you would not have four Gospels and two-thirds of the books of the New Testament that we call the Epistles of Paul. Does that do anything for you? Here's the deal. There's maybe five people in this room that could be and should be The Apostle Paul. Everybody in this whole place could be a Barnabas. Every one of us could be a Barnabas. And I bring you back to the question. A hundred years from now, who'll know the difference? You know, what difference will it make? And my computer just froze up on me, and so I'm in trouble. There it went. Computer, and it's taking a while. I want to know, again, I'm testing you, I want to know how many of you know this name of this church? St. Aldate's Church. Raise your hand if you know St. Aldate's Church. Actually, somebody, you do? And somebody in the last service knew, and I was in a place recently where somebody had visited it two weeks ago before I was there. St. Aldate's Church is 1,400 years old. It's in Oxford, England, where the university is. And it's um, just kind of a little, dumpy, dead Church of England church today. But the light has been lit for 1,400 years. So you guys got a long ways to go. (laughs) And if Jesus doesn't come back, I'm trusting that forget 100 years that you'll be here. You won't be here, but somebody will be here, you know? And Amazon may really have drones in action, and what's-his-name Musk may have something in Mars or whatever. Who knows? But uh, St. aldes 1,400 years they've been a church. But about 300 years ago, there's these two renegades. And I, I'm sure they didn't grow pot in the mountains of Coney. I'm really sure they didn't do that. And, I, you know, I, 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 I'm sure they didn't stand in the back of the auditorium snicker at everybody else like you. Um, they, they weren't that kind of guys, but they were renegades. And they had an experience with God that shook their lives. And the church was too stilted and caught up in its stuff to appreciate it. And so, they're rebels. And, you know, rebels make good leaders. And so, they're, they're doing their thing. And, and they're like us. You know, I, I'm in an urban place. This is a suburban place. It, you know, it feels more urban all the time, but it's still suburbs. And where I was at in Kaneohe, that was suburban. And so, if we had a mini church and we lost the place to have mini church, You just get another house or you just get another apartment. Well, now in Honolulu, we're a church of 300. We have 28 mini churches. And over half of our mini churches meet in parks, outdoors, in gas stations, in a garage, in uh, uh, Safeway food courts, in Starbucks, in McDonald's, and I used to think, well just, you know, just get another apartment. Well, there's no parking. And so it's a whole another world. So you got to be willing to think different, and get out of the box and do stuff. Well, in some circles that's frowned upon. And so these two guys, they didn't believe what their church believed because they believed more. And they, they got in trouble, and in those days, you could go to prison for preaching in a church building if you didn't have a license from the Church of England, which was an extension of the government of England, and so you're in trouble. And one of these guys was actually stoned with rocks, like the New Testament. They tried to kill him. One of them, they almost lynched the other one, and they had an impact. And, and the impact is so great that I heard during communion today they were playing hymns. And I, I don't know the whole thing, but I grew up in church with hymnals. And so we always had the name of the author of the hymn. And some of those were the names of one of these guys. And so I'm sure that in this church you've sung songs written by one of these guys. They were John and Charles Wesley. And they started meeting in barns, and meeting under trees, and people thought they were weirdo wackos. When we started, they, they called us the Hippie Church, Dope Chapel, Hi- <laughs> <laughs> That wasn't too far off. <laughs> we, 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 the first Sunday, we had 12 people, and we met at 10 o'clock, which was an unusual time for church. In America, church was 11 in those days. And so we were at 10, and by 11, we were done, the second Sunday, we grew by 50%. We had 18 people in church. And, and after the service was over, only one hour, because I didn't go on like today, and uh, a bunch of 18, 19 more showed up at, at 11. 18 at 8, at, at 10, 19 at 11. And I just told them, well, church is over. Um, sorry. And one guy says, you know, why don't you at least give them a cup of coffee and invite them to stay around? So we started serving coffee. And you know what? We're the first church I ever heard of and I grew up in church. I never heard of a church serving coffee after church at that time. So, don't don't do that. Don't do that. So the the churches around I mean fairly closely around <laughs> called us Hippity Hoppity Hope and 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 the Bake Sale Church. And we never even had a cupcake, but we're the Bake Sale Church. We did strange things. Well, John and Charles Wesley met in barns. They met under trees. And because they were weirdos, that people fastened on their stupid methods. And that's where we get the word Methodist. And what you may not know is that by 1950, because it was right around 1950, that they went left. And they stopped really embracing the Bible. Except in Africa, the the. the, the, the The Methodists in the continent of Africa still get it, and the Methodists, uh, the African Episcopal Methodist Church gets it, but the rest of them have kind of, they're not sure about the deity of Jesus and all that kind of stuff, and so we think one thing about Methodism, uh, when I was five years old, you you thought something different. They were the king of the heap, 300 years after John and Charles Wesley, and 1,700 years after somebody started the church, which brings me right back to where I started. A hundred years from now, what difference will it make what we do here today? Because it will make a difference. It has to make a difference. And I think it can't make a difference unless a significant number of you people decide "I'm going to be a Barnabas to his Paul. Then we're going places. You know, I see Michael Nazarian, and it's like, oh, that guy's hot rod. You know, <laughs> uh, I got him in my gun sights. Um, amazing. I I knew him when he was six years old. The last time I really hung out with him, and and then I was in Northern California did a teaching thing and." And a guy comes up and introduces himself. And it's like, we start talking. I'm just blown away. I mean, he's your clone, <laughs> only, only better. I, 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 <laughs> he said it. He said it. And, 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 and I mean, he, the guy, there's something about him. And um, you know, look out. Look out. So anyway, um, 100 years from now, we, we, got, we got some work to do. In the next three to five years, to get ready for what's coming. And um, 100 years from now, be thinking that far out. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you that I get to be a part of this thing that you call Hope Chapel. Lord, I, I, I thank you that we never stumbled into becoming a denomination or trying to control stuff. Because there wouldn't be 2,300 churches if that had happened. I, I, I thank you that, uh, that you put the goofy vision in my heart to go to Hawaii. And, and um, much as I think that California is probably a better place to live, at least weather-wise, I thank you that you sent me there. And I thank you that you've continued what you've done through Zach and through this church and, 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 and the massive number of churches that have come out of here daughter and granddaughter and great-granddaughter churches. Thank you for all of that. But, Lord, all of that means nothing if we rest on our laurels and and decide that we did good enough and aren't we proud. Lord, I pray that you will make this church hungry, that you'll, you'll, you'll keep them forever unsatisfied and forever thinking about 100 years from now the difference that we can make if we do the right thing tomorrow.